Uh, yeah, greetings. My name's John. If you don't know me, uh, I, I pastor a church in Christchurch called Equippers Christchurch. We planted that church eight and a half years ago. Uh, we've been on a great journey in God. There's been some fun times and there's been some other times. There've been some, uh, yeah, there've been good times and there's been some challenges. And probably the more you go in ministry, the more you realize that uh, breaking through is actually successfully m- handling and breaking through the challenges, not so much handling the good times. Because the good times come in God, the breakthroughs come in God, but it's, it's when we want to give up is not when it's going well, amen? Now, when you want to give up is when it's going badly, when you've done something really stupid. Has anyone done something really, really stupid? One time? One time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was just then too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love the fact that we, we serve a God who just gives us second chances, and He's doing so many good things around the world with people that he's using who are imperfect and have got issues and messed up. And uh, I know I'm in good company tonight of people who are a little bit messed up, but still trusting God. I mean, anyone else in this room a little bit messed up? Yeah, yeah. Some people leaving their hands down because they're actually a lot messed up. Okay, we're, we're not going to, we're just going to set some ground rules tonight. This is not a spectator sport. Even in the test match cricket, they clap. Now, we've, we've, got, we've developed a rule in my church. Okay, hang on, hang on. Because, you know, you hate that false start clap, and you're like, especially if you're a little bit insecure, and you're like, start clapping, and then no one claps, and then you stop, and then someone starts, and it's like, uh, uh. So we've got a rule in our church. When someone starts clapping, we've got your back. If one person goes, everyone goes. Now, we're going to trust you with that tonight that you're not going to be silly with that, okay? Yeah. Is that silly or not? Oh, you didn't have his back. Okay. But uh, yeah, God's been doing great things, and there's been so many good testimonies of what He's been doing. Uh, okay, here, yeah, someone's breaking our trust already. <laughs> it wasn't Auckland, though. You know, and they can do that in the west coast of the South Island. They get that right. I'm just just going to put it out there. In in Westport, uh, soon to be a, a thriving Equippers Church. Great great testimonies coming out of there. Anyway, I'm going to I'm going to go to the Bible. Then we're going to have some fun. Uh, with the Bible in John 21, if you want to turn there, we're going to start in verse 3. John 21, verse 3, I'm reading from the NLT. Uh, and it's, it's, it's after Jesus has died, he's risen again, but most of the disciples have kind of had a bit of a, and they've gone back to what they know. So Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. You can tell this is a man's response, isn't it? It's going wrong, it's gone wrong, it's all gone wrong, and I went wrong. Let's go fishing. It's actually not a bad solution. I find fishing solves a lot of my problems, at least temporarily. Uh, We'll come too, they said, so they went out in the boat. But they caught nothing all night. At that moment, fishing didn't seem like such a good option. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the fellow disciples could not see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? I love this translation. It says fellows. Is it like the British? The British, hello. Fellows, fellows, have you caught any fish? I bet you've never imagined Jesus with a British accent before, have you? Fellows, uh, I say, old chap. <laughs> no, they replied, and then he said, throw out your net onto the right side of the boat, then you'll get some. So they did. They couldn't haul on the net because there were so many fish. And then the disciple that Jesus loved, that's John, uh, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on, on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. We won't go into any meaning of that. He jumped into water, and he headed to shore. Just keep moving, people. Don't stop there. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net ashore. This is awesome, eh? They've worked all night to catch the fish. 
and they catch all the fish. And Peter's so excited about Jesus being on the beach, he forgets about the catch, catch of fish. Now, if you're not a fisherman, you won't get the miracle that just happened in that moment. But if you are a fisherman, you understand. And so they do all this. They, they count up the fish because that's what we always do with our... Uh, we don't count so carefully when it's all going badly, but when it's going really well, we count. 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. This is good. Breakfast on the beach. Wow. Like this is just, just great. Breakfast on the beach. He serves him bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you more than the fish. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, oh, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. The third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time, you Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. And he goes on and he, he prophesies into the type of death that Peter will die. And it's an amazing moment of ministry. It's an amazing moment in the life of Jesus and it's an amazing moment in the life of Peter, because Jesus already had three years of ministry, and in that three years, although he invested into the crowds, he also had uh, uh, the congregation, the kind of, you know, the 150-odd, but then he had the, the 12 that he'd invested into. And at that moment, the 12 had all fallen over. They had all abandoned Jesus. They were acutely aware of what they hadn't done. So I want you just to sit back and enjoy just for a moment our very first video clip of the night. Are you excited about that? I don't know if you heard the commentary, but there's a guy named Joe Rogan, who's the, one of the main UFC commentators, one of, the, one of the most insightful experts of UFC, and he goes, it's all over. It's all over. Have you ever felt like in life you've been knocked down? Have you ever felt like at, at one moment in life, you've got to that spot, and, and you're on your knees, and you're dazed by what life has thrown you, and you're like, what the heck just happened? Have you ever been knocked down by something that you didn't expect? Have you ever had a friend betray you? Some people, it's a bit awkward, some people are quiet because there's someone sitting next to them. I'm like. <laughs> you know, have you ever felt like life has beaten you down or beaten you up? Because I reckon there's moments when we all feel like that guy uh, uh, on that first video clip where you've been, you've been punched down by life. And it's really, really painful. I'm not going to create a sob story by listing all the times in my life I felt like I've beaten down, but I don't have to go back more than a year to come up with a large list of moments in my life where I feel like I'm barely standing, maybe down on one knee, maybe actually just lying flat on the ground, which I'm not going to do right now. And life has just got to you. The people you thought should be there weren't. The situation you thought was going to turn out well didn't. The thing you were believing God for didn't turn out the way you were hoping. Let's watch video clip number two. Wow. Can Carlo it looked like really survive? It looked like he was out. Oh, he he's, out. Now. he's out. You see what happened? This is two minutes 50 into the first round of a fight. 
So this guy is just like, boom, he's out. And then he gets up again. He's like, oh, well, I could go again because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? And, you know, you've, you've gone again because you're encouraged at the 5 p.m. by a preacher. And then Monday you find yourself, and this time you are lying down, you find yourself lying down, where's the strength now, Pastor? Where's the power now, Jesus? And you're lying on your back going, this life sucks. If this is what being a Christian is, I'm out of here. If this is what it means, some of us, let's be honest, if this is what it's like to be a ministry, that's it. So we'll watch the third clip. Okay, now that clip is so good, you don't appreciate how good it is. So what we've done is we've, we've put another clip together. This is the real time of the fight with all, all, all of those sequences, so you understand the sequence in this fight. You watch this now. Clip number four. inspired about UFC right now? How many people would like to see a fight right now of Pastor Byron on stage? <laughs> Willem, would you be keen to out for it? <laughs> no, okay, sorry, we're not, we're not, that's right, I forgot we're at church, that's fine, right, I forgot. See, I, I, I am so thankful uh, that actually in life, being knocked down does not equate to being knocked out. And tonight I want to talk to you about the difference between being knocked down uh, uh, but not out. So we're going to pray and then we're going to get into this. You've got you to preach better back at me than you're doing right now. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word. Lord, we thank you for what you've done on earth when you sent your son Jesus and what you've done through eternity. And Lord, tonight we ask you just to uh, release something into this atmosphere, to release something into our spirits. Lord, to release your word uh, and your spirit into us. Lord, to, to give us uh, resilience, to give us uh, robustness. Lord, to give us rebound. Uh, Lord, to, to strengthen us and to set us up for a strong 2017. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. See, strength is formed when you realize that being knocked down is not out. 
Strength is realized not when you're standing on the platform feeling good. It doesn't make you strong being here. It's not strong when you're successful. Strength is really forged in the hard times when you're one knee down and punch drunk. When life has been raining blows on you and you decide, I can get up and go again. That is not just the act of strength. That is the developing of strength. And in 2017, I understand that there's some people in this room that 2016 has left you feeling like you're punched out. Some of you are feeling really good right now, but unfortunately, life is going to throw you a curveball in the next few weeks. Not, not trying to prophesy negative things, but actually just, just facts of life. Things happen. You're going to get to work and there's going to be a shift that you didn't want. There's going to be a bill you didn't want. Now, there are a lot of businessmen in the room right now who are feeling a bit punched down by life and tax today because today is the culmination of so many good taxes on your business. But it's, it's easy to feel like uh, you, you feel guilty and defeated for taking a few blows. It's easy as a Christian to feel like you're a bad Christian because you're actually not standing anymore. You're down on a knee and it hurts. You can be in that space in life where you're just like, God, are you real? God, where are you? you know, and it can be in a whole realm of dimensions. You can be in this space, but you've got to understand that in God, we are knocked down, but not out. You see, it's easy for us to feel guilty. It's easy for us to feel condemned for having challenge, but challenge in itself is not a sign that God's hand is absent. When you take a few body blows or a knock to the head, it's actually a sign that God trusts you to get through this. He knows that he's already given you everything you need for life and godliness. In, in Psalm chapter 37, it says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, and though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Another version says, Though he falls, though he falls, he's not utterly cast down i.e. he is knocked down, not out. In fact, the Bible is full of people. It's full of people who get knocked down by life. It's full of people who get knocked down by life in ministry, financially, in relationships. Uh, let's go through a list of people. Samuel the prophet. In 1 Samuel 15, it says, Samuel went home to Ramah, and Saul returned to the house of Gilbeth. And Samuel never went to, out with Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him, and the Lord was sorry he ever made Saul king of Israel. You see, Samuel had anointed Saul the king. He, had, he was the one who had released Saul into leading a nation, and Saul had done it all wrong. He had walked away from God. He would stopped trusting God, and Samuel was taking the body blow. He is grieving and he is knocked down in that moment. But the very next verse, which is in the next chapter, the Lord says to him, you've mourned long enough. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask of olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there. And he goes on and he anoints King David. So God just says, hey, that's enough. Go again. That's enough. Go again. Yeah, you heard him. Go again. Okay. Uh, Joseph, he took a few knocks in life. You know, we know Joseph started off with a dream that we talked about this morning, but the next step after the dream, you know, he got the promise of God and then ended up in the pit. Uh, and then he got kind of promoted through slavery to Potiphar's house, but he did well there and got promoted there, only to be put in prison for falsely being accused of rape. And then in prison he does well and he kind of rises to the top, if you can call it that, in the prison he was in. 
And then he ends up in Pharaoh's house, the prime minister. He took some blows on the way. There's moments, I guarantee you, in prison where Joseph wasn't, man, I'm grateful about being in prison right now for something I didn't commit, for doing the right thing. For doing the right thing in Potiphar's house, doing the right thing with my dad's house and being sold into slavery and beaten by my brothers. And wow, what a great day it is. God, thank you. Amen. You know, David, King David, he was betrayed by one of his sons. You look at all the people who were who knocked down, but Jesus tells stories about, about people who, who, are, who are knocked down. He gives parables. He gives the parable of the, the wedding banquet where the, the man invites all these guests to come and then no one turns up because he wasn't serving the right entree. And everyone gave their excuses. We've got better food at our house. I'm busy. And, and there's just so many times where people get knocked down in life. Knocked down. And so back to the original passage we started with, Peter is there. Peter is the one who denied Jesus. He didn't just deny Jesus. He denied Jesus after Jesus told him he'd deny Jesus. And then said, no, I'll never deny you. I'll die rather than deny you, Jesus. And, you know, not 12 hours later, he's denying Jesus. Not only denying Jesus, but he's, he's coloring his denials with the odd expletive. The old four-letter F-bomb and H-bomb and S-bomb, and I've just used some letters that you're going to wonder about, but if you don't know, that's good. That's really good. But we get down to this moment where Peter's been knocked down, and in a lot of ways, if you think about it, Jesus has been knocked down as well, because those he's trusted, those he's walked with, those he's mentored, those he's believed in and those he's loved with, they've just gone back to fishing. He spent three years. This is it. This is the culmination of his time on earth. Three years, and they've gone back to flipping fishing all night and not catching a thing. See, I reckon there's just a simple thing and uh, for you this evening, for me this evening. There's so many things in life that can knock you down, but we've got to understand we are knocked down but not out. Now, some of you right now, you're in a moment of being knocked down, but some of you, this is going to be a message that you're going to recall later on in the year. And there's going to be in a moment like our friend, the UFC fighter, where you can stay down or you can get up. See, the first thought is when you're knocked down, you need to get up. The front row, believe it. Maybe a bit further back. When you're knocked down, you need to learn how to get up. You see, sometimes in life, God actually trusts you to get yourself up. He doesn't send around the pastoral ambulance to, to, to patch you back together and repair the holes in your jeans. Sometimes you just got to get up by yourself. I was sharing this morning with the, with the 10 a.m. crowd about uh, how I had to ride my, my wife's motorbike to the airport this morning uh, because my one is missing a side. Uh, right now, it needs new handlebars. It needs new muffler, it needs new cowlings, it needs just about everything on the one side. Now, the reason it does is because, if funnily enough, at negative four degrees, there's ice on the road. And I was driving along the open road and hit some black ice and fell down, and I'm standing there. You know, there was no one there to help me get up. Funny that, eh? At, you know, seven in the morning, negative four in the country. I had to get up myself. Now, I was sore, but I wasn't broken, and I'm very grateful to God for that. That was probably a miracle. Got a few of those. But you have to get up, and sometimes there's no one else to get you up. And you know what? There's an enemy, and he's like the boxer standing over you saying, stay down. He's saying, stay down in your poverty. Stay down in immorality. 
Stay down in negativity. Stay down in how it was. Stay down because that's how it is and that's how it always be. Stay down. And it's easy to believe that because there's times you're going to be by yourself because the knockout blows won't come on Sunday night at church. They'll come Wednesday afternoon at work. They'll come Friday night at a party. They'll come Tuesday morning. Does people go to parties here? Is there a snigger on the front row? I don't know. Maybe not. Whoops. You know, the knockout blows are going to come when you're isolated. And, you know, and there's a moment where you're going to hear the enemy standing over you. Stay down. And it's so easy at that moment to stay down. But the simple thing you've got to remember is get up. It's just that easy. Get up. Don't stay down in your filth. Don't stay down in sin. Don't stay down in defeat. Don't decide because it's always been that way, it's always going to be that way. That guy was out. The most accurate and insightful commentator in the UFC. It's all over. But he got up. He got up. God says, get up. Don't stay in the sin. Live a life worthy of your calling. God says to get up. He says, don't stay in the muck. He says, get up. He's lifted my feet out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock. Now, I don't know you well enough to share all the things that I've got myself into during my life, but some of them I'm really glad you don't know about. And you've got to make a decision. There's moments in your life no one else but you can make a decision. I'm gonna get up. And that's the first thing, you've just got to make a decision, get up. You know, I, I got the, I've been, had the privilege to be able to minister in quite a few countries this year, and one of the countries in was Philippines, and one of the things I, I do often is prophesy over people, and we, we were doing this kind of old call thing, and uh, I had a really specific word for someone, you know, it was someone I'd never met before, uh, and she was a, probably about a 19-year-old Filipino girl, and I said, I, I believe something really traumatic happened to you when you're, when you're four years old. And God wants to, you know, and it's like, it was kind of, you're kind of out there. There wasn't really a, oh, well, you know, it was an achy back. Someone's got a sore back in the room. Oh, yeah, no. It was about an individual, and it was really specific. And she stood there and goes, nah, no, nah, nothing happened to me. And then you're like, you know, you've just, it was like that. <laughs> it's that moment. By the time I got translated, you're like, oh, good. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> so pleased I stepped out right then. <laughs> and you know what? It's so easy to go, oh, I just want to, oh, maybe I shouldn't prophesy. Went into a prison and, and like, I uh, went into one of the prisons there in the Philippines uh, just, to, just to kind of be there. And then they said, oh, I would like you to say some words. And I thought, well, what can, what can a middle to upper class white New Zealander say to these guys? I posted, I don't know if you saw the photo on Instagram, but I posted a photo of them. That wasn't just where they were as a holding cell. That's where they've been for two years. There's, uh, in a room like this size to there, there's 40 guys. It's 38 degrees. They're jammed there. They can't, they, they, some of them are in hammocks and they're just, they just sit there. They can't walk. They can't move. I thought, what do you say to them? And I felt like God said, well, you prophesy. Yeah, but we've tried that just before. <laughs> this didn't work so well in the Philippines. I don't know what it was, the translation or whatever. And, and you can stay down. I went to the woman, and I started with the woman's, and I, I just, I had a really specific word about someone about a really specific situation with an age and a time on it. And I started talking to her, 
And she just started breaking down and crying. And for the rest of the time, everyone listened. And in fact, most of the cell responded to Jesus. And then, and so the guys had heard about it because they're literally next door. And so then when they go, they're already expecting something of God. And they're looking at you with this hope. And you're like, oh, flip. Okay, yeah. Okay, God, please, please. <laughs> you see, it's so easy to stay down. Do you know what I didn't find out till last Sunday night? That girl who I prophesied over, or was going to, I said, hey, something really traumatic had happened to you when you're four years old. She... Not long after, she'd been a, a kind of a, one of the kind of really great leaders and worship leading in the church. Not long after, she had this really just kind of uncharacteristic meltdown and breakdown. And ended up seeing psychiatric, kind of getting psychiatric help and all this sort of stuff. And through the sessions and the counselling, uh, they said, you've got all the hallmarks of having something really traumatic that's happened to you. And suddenly she was given a flashback to when she was four years old. Something that she'd blotted out of her life. And because of that and because of the prophetic word, she then went to the pastors. And instead of spending six months or eight months in care and getting help to get out of it, they were able to pray through this, this specific event. And, and she's been completely healed and completely restored in a really short period of time. Now, that's awesome. And I think there was a false start at a clap there, which would have been a great time to clap God. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. Okay, that's good. Stop. But here's the thing, in that moment, I could have stopped. I could have thought, oh, this prophecy thing, it doesn't work. I'm feeling a bit stupid right now in front of all these Filipinos, too, who don't know me. Oh, I've lost my pride. And You've just got to trust God to get up, to go again. So here's the second thing. First one is get up. Great. Go. You guys really need to practice this thing, eh? Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Okay, that's good, that's good. First thing you get up, the second thing is you don't just get up. Uh, because in the first clip, he gets up, but he's like, nah. and what he's saying is, hit me, punch me again. You don't get up and stand in a position to get beaten down. You don't get up and go, oh, well, I'll try again, but it's probably going to go badly. Probably going to fail again. You don't stand with your gloves down here going, oh, I want another punch in the head, please. Oh, well, I'll try this tithe thing, but I know I'll be poorer. You put your gloves up. So you don't just get up, but you get your gloves up. Getting your gloves up is, is not standing there to take a beating. It's, it's having a position. It's, a, it's pressing in. It's a posture of faith. It's actually saying, hey, I'm believing that even though I've taken some blows, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I have the power to be an overcomer in the name of Jesus. And you get your faith on. Nothing irritates me more, and you can see I'm, I'm feeling very pastoral tonight, but nothing irritates me more than people who are Christians, but they're going, oh, well, it's just all going to go wrong again and again. Because they're, they're standing there. Man, if I'm your opposition, and I'm not really a boxer, as you can tell, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Poof, poof. <laughs> just bounce back. That'd be great. Yeah, poof. <laughs> we'll go again. That wasn't proper punching form. I appreciate that. Thank you. So you've got to get your gloves up. You've got, to, you've got to have an attitude and a posture where you're actually going to press in to see the win where you've taken some beatings. Yeah, sure, you might have had a difficult year in your marriage. You might have some strain on financially. There may be some bills that need attending to rather rapidly. 
But you can stand there going, oh, well, I can't see a way out of this, but I'll stand here and take another beating. Or you can get your faith on and you can press in. You can press into God. You can say, I'm gonna believe for a different outcome this time. I'm I'm gonna believe that I have the strength to succeed. I'm gonna believe that God has placed in me something that is of value. Have you ever tried to buy a house? Some people have here, here. How many people have tried to buy a house? About a year ago, in fact, one year and one month ago, today almost to the date, we were in a meeting in Queenstown and I was ducking out the door trying to settle on our dream home. And it was awesome. It was, it was this amazing view and it had like a 1,500 metre square section and it was, it, was, it was a decent size. It had about 400 square metre house just over that. And not only that, they were going to give us all their furniture as well. And I thought, oh, this is our dream house. This is so good. And got the phone call and I was like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. You, you're not making it across the line here. Someone else is going to take it. And I remember this moment and I was kind of like, walked back into this meeting at Queenstown and didn't want to tell my wife. <coughs> I just waited an hour or two before I told my wife that no, we didn't have the house and, and experienced that, that joyous feeling of a wife who's a little bit ticked off with you because it's my fault. Uh, we have processed this, so this is nothing new. Just I'm not, It's not dirty laundry or anything like that. But you're just going there, and there's like, so you go into Christmas, and you're like, oh, man, is this how it's going to be forever? You know, we're in, the, we're in this crazy environment where we're living with the businesses, and there's like 10 people in your kitchen every morning tea and afternoon tea and lunchtime, and it's not exactly personal space for my wife, uh, and it's not exactly a, a day off when you walk downstairs and your, your, your business manager's asking all these questions, and you end up spending half a day working on the business. And, and it was so hard because you go to the open home in January, and you just feel like you're like, oh well, we're probably not going to get this house either. Is there any point in looking? Now, the really interesting thing is my wife, who's quite prophetic, actually later on in the story told me, and this is why I feel okay about sharing her bad mood, that actually God had already said to her, we weren't going to get that house, and it wasn't for us. But she didn't tell me. And she still made me feel bad that we didn't get it. (laughs) For a whole month. (laughs) But anyway, later on, we fast forward the story, we, we, we walked into a house that for some reason no one else was interested in. It was the house of our dreams. Uh, every time I go home, I love it. It's got all these little awesome features I'm still discovering about it. It even had a tree the other day that got struck by lightning and fell over. Uh, it's, it's got space. <laughs> that, as a man, I like that. I just, I just, it's pretty cool, I think. You've got a tree hit by lightning, it's gone. Uh, it died instantly because all the water's boiled out of it, so it's good for firewood for this year because there's no water in it. It's like, perfect. It's like, I need firewood. Thank you. <laughs> there it is. It's got this cool little thing. I got given money by a company that I, I, I have in business to, to buy all the furniture. Uh, uh, the arrangement of that house was so good that we ended up paying less than the other house. We got a bigger house uh, on a section that's 10 times as big, uh, which means we've got a volleyball court out in our, in our paddock uh, we don't have sheep, and we're not putting sheep in there, just in case you're wondering. But it was so hard, because at one moment, it was like, oh, we're going to have our gloves down and just take a beating. But at some moment, we're like, no, we're going to believe that actually God does have a place for us to live in that's a blessing, and it's not going to just be another beating when we go again, because the third thing you have to do is go again. See, momentum is created when you go again. Strength is forged when you 
go again. See, when people say no to the invite to church, what have you got to do? Well, someone's awake. I'm thankful for you, brother. That's awesome. You've got to go again. You know, when he doesn't see you as marriage material, girls, go again. He's unworthy of you. Shake the dust off that punk. Find someone better. Go again. Make him regret his decision for the rest of his life. You know, we joke about this, but I've got a, a really good friend of mine. He's one of the elders in our church. His name is Caleb. He's, he's one of those really understated guys who's like in the top 10 in New Zealand at what he does. In fact, he's so good that Google offered him a job, flew him to California to try and convince him that, to work for them. So he's, he's reasonably, reasonably good at what he does. But the girl of his dreams didn't, didn't, wasn't interested in him. She said, no, just don't see you, just don't see him. Now, this is the funny thing. Her name uh, was Penny Wright. His name is Caleb Reed, and she just didn't see him as Mr. Wright, which is okay because he was Mr. Reed, uh, if you get the irony of that. But anyway, we'll keep moving. I like a bit, but he didn't. And, and I remember sitting down at the start of the year having a coffee with Caleb, and it's like, well, what are, what are you believing for this year? And Caleb said, oh, I've got two things. He said, I, I'm believing to find a wife. And, and, and Caleb's an amazing guy. He's not Mr. Extrovert, though, by any means, as some people in the IT industry are not. Uh, but he says, I'm believing to find a wife and I'm, I'm believing to get a motorbike. And I says, I'm pretty sure we could do the motorbike this week. <laughs> so he did. We got a motorbike. He got a motorbike, which is great. But he went again. And he kept believing. And now Miss, Mrs. Wright became Mrs. Reed. And there were a whole lot of reading and writing jokes because she's a teacher and all this sort of thing. But, but the thing is, you've got to sometimes just understand that just because you get rejected, you go again. You've got to learn. I remember doing all-out Sundays. You know, this is a ministry go-again story. We did an all-out Sunday, and we did a really awesome morning, and we knocked the morning out of the park, and we were real happy about it. And we did all-out Sunday at night, and we got 70 people. Because we'd done the morning so well, people were too tired to come out at night. <laughs> it would be pretty easy to stop in that moment and go, oh, well, let's not try. Let's not try and reach our city. We tried it. It didn't work. Yeah, but you've got to go again. I'm so grateful we did. Because this year, we had, I think, 125 more people in church than our building seats. We will um, take that out of the recording. When you don't get the job, go again. When, when, when life throws up on you, go again. When you're overlooked for the promotion you feel like you deserved, go again. You've got to understand that there is strength when we learn how, like Jesus and like his followers, to go again. I remember stepping out in faith and giving. And there's only ever one time in, in giving where I've pledged an amount and missed. But I missed by a country mile. I won't tell you how much I pledged, but I missed by more than 20,000 in an offering. It was one of those horrible moments. And, and through shifting to Christchurch to plant the church, I've made a lot less in business because of the transition and all that. But you're sitting there going, well, I went into that environment not thinking I was going to give. really believe I heard God speak. And I've missed it by miles. I've given everything I can. I'm, 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 I've given into the, the thousands and the tens of thousands, but I can't. 
Where were you, God? Where are you? I thought I heard you. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I shouldn't give sacrificially. Maybe that's not the way. And you end up broken, not reaching the pledge after a year. And you're like, well, what do I do? You go again. Yeah, sure, you might make some mistakes. Maybe you get something wrong. But go again. I'm so grateful of people that go again. That when you pray and nothing changes, like Daniel, you need to go again. Like the persistent widow who's seeking God to move in justice, you just keep going again until you see the breakthrough. I've had moments in my life where and I actually say there's, there's been four of them in the last calendar year where I've given myself completely broke. So uh, my net bank account balance is actually negative a whole lot because of mortgages and you know debt and that sort of thing. But, but actually, even in the cash side of things, there's nothing. There is absolutely nothing because I felt like God said, hey, I want you to give that amount. And I, I, I know the pain of thinking like flip, power bill, vump, groceries, vump. Mortgage, yikes. <laughs> but I know only one way to follow God. I only know one way to follow God. It's when I get up. It's when I trust Him that He is who He says He is. He'll do what He says He'll do. And I've got to learn that I can in Him do all things. And the most important thing God is after from you, my friend, and the most important thing He's after from me is our obedience. You might have tried something, you think it's failed. The only way it can possibly have failed if you're trying to be obedient to God is if you give up. That is the only way it fails. You know, I, I, I understand that I've got a gift of giving and what it does in other people is activates the gift of giving. If I'd stopped at that offering, I wouldn't have seen the kind of all these testimonies of God's goodness and favor and provision for all sorts of things. Uh, last year, I took another risk. I was at a conference in Europe and I said, hey, let's not do two offerings, let's do one. Uh, I'll do it. Um, and let's believe that all the needs and more are covered. And, and in that one offering, they received over twice as much as they'd ever been given over two offerings. Uh, and all their needs were covered. The missional need of the offering was covered. All the other things were done. I, I got a text from someone who interned for me last year, this week. And, and that person had interned, they'd only worked 20 hours a week, so they were uh, in, a, in a job that paid like about 18 bucks an hour. In fact, exactly 18 bucks an hour because they worked for me. Um, <laughs> and, and in that, that person had pledged 5,000 in our miracle offering. 20 hours a week, covering all their own expenses, no other support. And they trusted God and said, I believe 5,000 is the number I've got. That person paid that off on Monday because I actually said, hey, have you, have, you, have you completed your offering? And like, oh, she's like, oh, no, no, yeah. I said, hey, why don't you do it? I reckon you could do it now. Uh, and I had no knowledge of financially. And they paid that off on Monday. On Tuesday, they got a check in the mail for half the amount of their offering. The exact amount they'd paid, or, or I think almost exactly the same amount they'd paid the day before to complete the offering. So about $2,500 check in the mail. One day after, they'd given about $2,500 to complete their miracle for this year. See, we've got to understand that not only on the other side, when you're knocked down and bent down by something in life, the, the temptation to, to slumber on the wood, the temptation to, to make a, a cuddly blanket with our, 
out of defeat and negative and, oh, woe is me, and, oh, it's not my fault, and it's so hard, it's too hard. It's not just you that depends on getting up. It's not just your victory when you get up. The victory that you forge when you get up is a victory for others. It's a victory that brings a breakthrough, that can, that can influence generations, that can bring a legacy to your flatmates, to your family, because they're watching. So we need to learn how to get up, gloves up, and go again. Peter went on from that moment. He went on from the Filio Fishburger on the beach with Jesus and led the early church. His first altar call, 3,000 saved. His second altar call, 5,000 men saved, not counting women and children. So let's conservatively say his first two altar calls, he hit about 10,000 people. Not a bad go again, eh? Not bad. Imagine if he hadn't gone again. Imagine if he just stayed down and fishing. Oh, well, I gave it a go, but I just didn't have the character to do it. It's a lie of the devil. The devil is trying to tell you, stay down, stay defeated, stay in poverty. You've got to understand God is saying, get up. Get up, my son, get up. my Go again, because in me, we've got this. If you go again, and, and sometimes I don't understand the punches that I've taken in life, the challenges I've had to go through for years. Sometimes you get perspective on them years later. It's not till you're talking to someone else who's going through exactly what you went through, and you can say, hey, this is how I went through it. You know, often I'm saying to people, hey, it took me two years to sort out that issue. I can help you do it in two months if you like. It's so much better. But at the time, you just want to lie down and kiss the canvas. Tap out of church. Tap out of Christianity. Tap out of being a, a, a man of integrity. Tap out of being a woman of faith. Tap out of being a parent. Tap out of a relationship that you're called to be in. Don't lie down. Get up, gloves up, and go again. You know, tonight in this place, I believe there are people in this room and you're just about at that tap out moment. Now what tap out is, is in, in UFC, if someone's got you in a position where they're about to break your arm or your leg and, and you feel like it, or they're gonna choke you unconscious or something, you can do three taps and that's it, the fight's over. And sometimes you can feel like something's got a stranglehold on your life. Man, I know the, the pain of debt, uncontrolled debt, and the stranglehold that feels like it's got on your life, and it's so easy. You just wanna out on giving, on trusting God with your finances. You just want to tap out of church and committing to serving in the house of God because it got busy. And you can feel the chokehold of life squeezing the life out of you. But if you would just get up and go again. And tonight in this room, I believe there are some people where you're, you've actually, you're back in church or you're in church for the first time, but you wanted to tap out of either life or faith. And before we move on in church tonight, I just want to give an opportunity for the people in this room who need to make a decision to follow Jesus tonight. Maybe you've never made that decision before and you feel like life's beaten down on you so hard and you want to give up on life. I want to say to you, there is a Savior who loves you, who died for your sin. He rose again. He triumphed over sin and death so you could get up. So you could get your gloves up at life and you could go again, not to get beaten, but to see overwhelming victory found that's in God's plan for your life if you would just trust Him. So if you're here tonight, I want you to just close your eyes for one minute.
And in this space, if you're here tonight and you need to make the decision, what I'm going to invite you to do is put your hand up to say, yep, I want to ask Jesus into my life tonight. I want to make a decision to open my life to his love and know his forgiveness and know not only that, but his plan and his purpose for my life. And if that's you tonight, what I want you to do is put your hand up high enough for me to see and long enough for me to acknowledge. Thanks, friend, down the back. That's awesome. That's such a great decision. And in putting your hand up, you're saying, I'm going to trust God. I don't understand it all and I feel like giving up, but I I understand He has strength and love for me in the battle. If that's you, you need to make a decision to open your life to God for the first time tonight. Why don't you slip up your hand and say, yep, John, I'd love to make that decision tonight. I'd love to pray with you, friend. Just put up your hand. High enough for me to see, long enough for me to acknowledge. Perhaps you're also here and you've, you've followed Jesus in the past, but you through the knocks and the pain of life, you've actually tapped out. You've tapped out of faith. You've stopped believing in a God who loves you and is for you and has blessed you. And you you might be here tonight out of desperation, but you need to make a decision to to go again, to actually to, to open your heart to God, to submit to His plan and His purpose for your life. Why don't you also put up your hand tonight and make that decision, join my friend. Before we pray, just slip up your hand high enough for me to see and long enough for me to acknowledge. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a great decision. Who else here tonight you need to make that decision? I don't want you to leave without you making a decision to get your gloves up and go again. If that's you, why don't you just put your hand up so I know who I'm praying with tonight. That's awesome. Thank you so much down there. That's a great decision. Is there anyone else don't want to rush this moment? Anyone else here? Just before we pray this prayer. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Great decision. Awesome. I've seen four people so far tonight, church, but just the last moment, if, if there's anybody else, we don't want you to miss out tonight and starting 2017 strong. Great decision, thank you. That's awesome, so good. Okay, what we're gonna do, we're gonna stand and we're gonna pray this prayer. If you're one of those people who made the decision tonight, I just wanna tell you a couple of things. Number one is you need to connect with God in a one-on-one relationship. One of the things that will help you doing that is by having a Bible that you read. Uh, So it's gotta be in a language you can understand. If you don't have one, go to the black tent. I'm sure someone there can help you with that. The second thing is, this isn't the be-all and end-all of church. Church is a, is a, a life thing. It's something you are a part of. So join this church, connect in this church, get part of an e-group so there's people around you who can help you get up, who can help you get your gloves up, and it can help you go again. And the third thing is, don't leave tonight without telling someone about the decision you've made, why you've made it, and getting them to pray for you. That'd be awesome. Let's pray this prayer. Father God, tonight I open my heart to you. I ask you to come into my life and change me from the inside to the outside. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I thank you that he rose again on the third day. I thank you that you love me. And tonight I've decided to live my life for you. From this day, 
until the day that I die. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give those people a hand.